I feel like you could compare it to being a librarian where I'm there to help you, the filmmaker, find what you're looking for. Let's say you know the book you want or, you know, the song you want. I can help you clear it, make sure you get your song. But if you don't know what you're looking for, you're just browsing. You're like, I kind of want something like this, kind of want something like that. I can help there too. So that's what a librarian does, right? You find the actual book or help you find stuff that might interest you. Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. So happy to have here the legendary music supervisor, Liza Richardson, on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Liza, welcome to the show. Hi, Joaquin. Thanks for having me. So yeah, no, I've been wanting to do this episode uh, with you for many reasons. Uh, well, first of all, because you are a music supervisor and, and, and this is a big part of the, the post-production process, the editing process specifically. And so wanted to hear more about uh, the audience, hear more about what you do, what that role is, and hopefully uh, learn more how editors can communicate, have better communication, say, with music supervisors, because I think that's very key. And also just again, like I said, I wanted to hear more about your story and more about you. We've been working together now for the past, I think, three years, three, four years. Oh, at least, right? Yeah, yeah. And probably I think been longer than that. Probably been longer, yeah. But I feel like we're always in meetings and, and in the cutting room and we never have a proper chat. To, and oh, I wanted no. to know more about you <laughs> and your story because I always hear you have like cool stories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to start off, like I said, I want to hear more about you and your story. How did you get to be a music supervisor? Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> started with DJing. I was a DJ, since, you know, for very long, for like, since, well, I moved here in 91 to work at KCRW to LA um, and uh, had some radio experience before that. In the 90s, I explored um, poetry and mixing poetry and spoken word with music. And I had a show on KCRW called Man in the Moon that featured a lot of that. And um, through that, I met a filmmaker named Mark Pellington, who was making a documentary on poetry. And um, he asked me to provide some musical beds for the poetry, because that's kind of what I did on the radio. That was my introduction to music supervision. Um, and it was, yeah, through radio. So I kind of got a taste of it. And then, you know, but I was a pretty serious DJ, like that was my my life. And that was my full ambition for many, many years until one day when I applied for the uh, the big job, uh, morning becomes eclectic and I didn't get it, um, uh, which was actually, you know, I mean, one door closes, other doors open. I thought, okay, I got to figure, figure out life. And, um, so I thought I would try, um, this thing called music supervision and I would try doing voiceover. Cause I, I had a background in theater. Like I, I have a degree in acting from college. I went to 
SMU in Dallas. And um, so I don't know. I just thought, well, I'll try voice acting and I'll try music supervision and we'll see what happens. And and then, yeah, I started getting into music supervision in the beginning, really, um, like I said, that one uh, first opportunity with Mark. But then I started doing ads because I had friends that were working um, for ad agencies. So I try. I was like, hey, I'll, you know, let me, let me present some ideas for you and see if you like them and ended up working on a bunch of ads, including a lot of Apple spots. So that was cool. And then put together a reel, which I don't know if people do that anymore, but like uh, for music supervision, um, but I put together like a collection of my commercials. And anyway, one thing led to another and I ended up meeting plenty of wonderful people along the way that were able to give me a few opportunities in film. Um, I got really, really lucky in the very beginning of my career. I worked on Ichimama Tambien. And so that was like this weird um, zeitgeist and super sneak, sneaky hit, you know? And um, I had no idea, you know, and I didn't really know that much about music supervision at the time. I, I, I was learning. <laughs> and um, so, but, you know, what a great film and what a great experience. And it, it opened up so many doors for me. And I just got to know so many people in Latin America. And, um, and then my first television show was Friday Night Lights. So I got lucky there too, because that's like a legendary show and such a wonderful, eclectic um, batch of music that we were able to use. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the the headlines, right? <laughs> well, it's like great headlines. I mean, first of all, well, I've got to say, you know, mentioned Mark Pellington, I think one of my favorite directors. I mean, uh, that's, that is so cool. But also you mentioned Ituma Tambien. I mean, that's, I think, what the, one of the films I think that made me want to be a filmmaker but that soundtrack, I gotta say, that and like Amores Perros at that time in, in the rock and espanol scene, I mean, like, yes. it, it was, yeah. I mean, such an important soundtrack. And that's awesome. You got to be part of that. <laughs> I got to be part of it. And there was no score in that film, it was only songs, which you, f you forget that, but it was kind of an unusual experience, too. That doesn't happen that often. No, no, no. I mean, it's awesome you got to work on those, that type of project. And yeah. also, I mean, I seen your picture with Cuaron, you DJing at, well, at a party or something. I yeah, seen it somewhere. <laughs> I, a long time ago with the premiere. They had three premieres of Ichimama Tambien. I got to DJ at all three of them. One in Mexico City, one in New York, and one in L.A. So that was a highlight. <laughs> Talk about what is music supervision and, and maybe what you learned in those early days and what I've learned along the way, what this role entails. So, I mean, I, I've said this before, but I think it's a really good analogy or two, two, I have two analogies about music supervision. One is that like, I'm uh, me and my staff, my team, um, I feel like it, you could compare it to being a librarian where I'm there to help you, the filmmaker, um, find what you're looking for. Let's say you know the book you want or, you know, the song you want. I can help you clear it, um, make sure you get your song. Um, but if you don't know what you're looking for, you're just browsing. You're like, I kind of want something like this, kind of want something like that. 
I can help there too. So that's what a librarian does, right? You find the actual book or help you find stuff that might interest you. So that's um, what I feel like we try to do for the the filmmaker. Also, like a set designer would um, collaborate with the filmmaker. It's not it's not up to me like what you know the set looks like or who the cast is or it's up to the director and same with music supervision it's not up to me yes i do bring stuff to the table i have a perspective i often say gosh i think that's a great idea or not so great of an idea you know and here's why or here's something better or something like that but um for the most part i'm just there to collaborate and to bring your vision as a filmmaker to life and to help bring it uh, to help you get what you want um and then the other huge part, I think, of that a music supervisor has to eventually be really good at is navigating the system of licensing and having connections in at the labels, the publishers, um, the indies, managers, bands, music, musicians, um, I, you know, all kinds of different uh, ways to help the filmmaker you know get what they need and so so that's i i think that's a really important job of what makes a music supervisor good is or you know useful rather is that you know how to get things done maybe for the right budget maybe know who to go to for a certain price that kind of thing i i feel like it's really important to see the forest and not necessarily each individual tree and to be able to look at a whole budget and look at a whole project and and look at it as a whole as an organism you know with different people weighing in and to try to be able to understand the culture of that given project because because every project is is unique and different it has a different cast of characters has just different politics demographics different studios different uh number of producers, you know, so anyway, go on. No, but that's the thing. It's, you know, it's not just, you know, this we're talking about today. It's not just about like, oh, picking cool songs. Like there's so many <laughs> layers yeah. to this and, and stuff that I've, I've discovered Anybody now. Can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. And so this is like, there's no, there's so many, so many sites to this. And I've seen it firsthand now working in, in film and scripted TV here in, in, in Hollywood. Uh, but, you know, I, again, you know, like I obsess a lot about like, say, the just licensing and, and budgeting. And I just understand like, yeah, that takes relationships on your end and and experience and you know, knowing people and, and budgets. Um, because even like, you know, for example, I know, um, you know, or even like, for example, having playback on sets, like that's yeah. a whole nother thing. And sometimes oh, yeah. you're using live musicians oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's more science. That's like, yeah. um you know, that that's preparing for an on-camera performance is a level of music supervision that people don't think of when they initially think, oh, you put cool songs in background. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, that's a, a whole nother thing. So what we do is when we get a script, um, we, I mean, I, I read the script, but also I have somebody kind of comb through it and um, make a chart. And the chart Will it will have um, you know anything scripted listed in the chart? Any songs that are scripted? Any anything that's possibly going to be on camera? Because that's when you need to immediately bring it up. Like that's you know that's your first task is 
you know, there's a band on camera, there's a birthday party, there's somebody singing happy birthday, there's, um, there's uh, a kid's choir, whatever, you know, but um, you, you, we put everything in the chart, um, any possible on camera moment, any scripted song, and then we make, we do a line, um, a line item for any location that would naturally have music, like a diner or a restaurant or whatever, a mall. <laughs> and so then that chart is something that we start with at the script level. And it lives, that chart lives throughout the life of making the episode. It'll change constantly. And it's a communication tool that I use between me and my crew, clearance person, um, uh, you know, the coordinator who's going to deliver the files, the correct file, whether it's the final um, for the final mix, the high res resolution files, um, music files, or it's just to give you the correct MP3 because we don't want you to rip it from YouTube. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because there are often so many bootlegs, especially with Latin music on. Uh, on um, YouTube, so the bootlegs often just sound different from the original licensable version. So it gets it gets us into trouble when they turn out to be different. And the the music editor in the very end during the um, final mix says, "This is a different song. This is not the song." And we're like, "But that's what we cleared. That's why we, that's why we um, require that the music editor uses." the files that we deliver because those are the ones that are licensed. <laughs> Very good point that you bring up there. Yeah. <laughs> get get the real one. Get the real one. <laughs> and it's best to start start with the real one. Right. As a music supervisor, does one need to have, say, like encyclopedic knowledge of music? What is your relationship to music itself? I think a vocabulary, um, an open mind, um, I think the more you know about different types of music, the better. But it takes, you know, it's just, I don't know. When I started DJing, I would just listen. And I still do. I just have music on at all times. And I'm always trying to learn. Just Because there's, I think I heard, of, I don't know if this is correct, but 100,000 songs are released on Spotify every single day. Okay, so forget about knowing everything about music. You're never going to. And I'm, well, no, nobody ever will. That's just like, never going to happen. So you just do your best to, it's like a net, you know, like you're a fisherman, you're, you're, you're catching as much as you can. You know, I trust the universe that if there's something amazing that has my name written all over it, it will find me or I will find that song. I, I think it's good to have a perspective and taste, whether it's, you know, I, I feel like the people that work with me, um, you know, in my company, that we all have different tastes in music and so that we cover different bases, which I think is important. I don't have an ego about music. I don't think my taste is better than anyone else's. I mean, because I there have been too many situations where I've tried to control, say, the songs we pitch, but somebody else from my team throws in a couple songs and that song wins the spot, you know. So I know um, you can't bring your ego into the situation. I think the big important thing here, and, and we have, you know, now having an understanding, say, what maybe a music supervisor does and, and, and what the role is. I mean, again, it get, that we can dive deeper into that. Of course, it's so, it, there's so many layers to it. 
but in this regard, though, working, say, with editors or filmmakers, the important thing here is communication, right? Say when going back and forth, say an editor or a director is, says, I want this type of song um, or trying to request a certain cue. How can, you know, what advice would you give to, say, filmmakers and maybe this case, you know, editors, specifically editors, to, to better communicate with a music supervisor to get that right song? There's, there's different ways of communicating what you want. You could say, hey, I want a song like this. Give me an example. Here's, here's a Bob Dylan song, and it's the lyrics are very poetic and complicated, and the music sounds, you know, electric or acoustic. Um, the tempo, the feeling, the emotion, um, those are all things that are great. And, and one thing, I, though, is that a lot of filmmakers just, they don't know where to begin. Or I mean, a lot of people, they're like, yeah, something like this. So it's kind of like my job to say, okay, what about this is it that you like? Okay, you're, you're mentioning this one song, and I'll say, is it the mood? Is it the lyric content? Is it, is the content, is the, are the lyrics commenting on the scene for you? Do you want the lyrics to be present? Does that even matter? Some people don't even listen to lyrics. It's all about feeling. Um, so it's kind of my job to quiz them. I've, I've been in meetings where they've said, oh, we want something that sounds really corporate. And instead of going, uh-huh, corporate. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I'm like, what, what is corporate? What does that sound like? I have no idea. So I'll say, do you mean corporate? Like, um, we're in an office building and there's some Muzak playing over there. And they'll be like, yes. Or, you know, no, I mean, corporate as in what we'll arrive at something. And, and by the way, corporate is probably not a good <laughs> example. How about sexy? Uh, we get that all the time. I want something sexy. That that means so many different things to so many different people. Um, it could be, you know, Barry White or D'Angelo, but it could be, I don't know, something vintage, or it could be brand new. It could be um, raunchy. It could be, you know, everybody. So it just depends on, I feel like it's the job of the music supervisor to get at the heart and soul of what you mean. A lot of people don't have time to give me that direction. And so we kind of have a saying in the office, if we're not getting any direction and they say, okay, so, so I feel like there's two types of direction, specific direction, and also there's um, no wrong answers or um, interpret the scene, or we want to know what you think. So those are both great, but I also, and then sometimes a director or a you know, producer will say, I'll know it when I hear it. And so, so then the direction is what we call FTS, which means Fix that shit. Which <laughs> means we don't know what we want. You tell us. Okay, great. I can do that. I can try anyway. Or I can say, here's a bunch of things. Do you mean this? Do you mean this? Do you mean this? Like this? So I can give you that kind of quiz. You know, so some people know exactly what they're looking for and they're able to communicate it. And some people just want to experiment. Either way is fine. But I, I, I feel like it's my job to try to get at the heart of it. And like I said, some people are so busy that they don't have time to really 
um, give you that. So, you know, hopefully I can give you some ideas and get at least feedback or like a yes or no. And I always try to, in my communication, in my emails, um, whether it's direction or anything, I try to ask very simple questions, like almost yes or no. Um, I try not to, I try to save time for whomever I'm working with by asking them simple questions like, do you mean like this? Yes. Or like this? No. I don't know. I always try to set things up like, like that. Yeah, well, that, I got to admit, I mean, like, or I got to, you know, this last project we worked on, uh, I really love that uh, you did that because I remember we sat down with um, our, our, our good friend, director, Andy Baez, and we went over all these episodes and, I mean, really talked about every single cue, went through it. And that you, was so productive. Very productive. That was one day. One day, exactly. <laughs> the whole series. That series. Was amazing. Just, just talking about music. Very, I mean, obviously, very. It, it was very enjoyable. It was great. Just you know, we're talking about music and and you know uh, what we could use and what we couldn't, or maybe exploring other options. But you, a big part of it was you quizzing us, like asking all these questions, right? I mean, like it's like, do you want something? recognizable do you want something maybe that's not as recognizable so you know what budget are you thinking you know about um you want something from you know the 60s do you want something from the 70s uh, i mean all these questions and then uh, at least for me i'll speak for myself it's like oh you start thinking right oh yeah you know just start narrowing it down so that was very helpful good that was a great day it was i mean we got through so many songs we got through so much and and by the way you and andy and kelly the other editor um you're so easy to talk to and get quick answers from and the other thing i loved about working with with andy and is because he doesn't want to overthink anything that was a huge thing that he kept saying let's not overthink it let's not overthink it i love that because i don't know it's just so refreshing um, and it turns out great, you know? Yeah. It's like knowing kind of where, you know, there's certain, maybe there's moments or those bigger moments where you maybe do want to get that, you know, specific, like bigger song, right. For these, but it has to be worth it. I think. Yes. And I think, you know, as you know, again, I'll speak as an editor, right. You, you start learning where you want to, you know, spend your money, I guess. Yes. In a way, yes. right? Yes. You really start to define that. Maybe you, <laughs> You're also, maybe you were like, well, you know what? I think this song has been used a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? And you're like, all right, cool. Like, we don't want that. I say that a lot. And some people are like, I don't care. And some people some people are like, let's move on. Let's find something better. Let's some, find something else. Or we can talk about ideas like, hey, if we do want to spend this kind of money in this scene, well, then let's make a meal out of this song. Let's pre-lap it. Let's play it loud at the top or swell into it or something like that you know um and if it is going to play super background and you can't really hear it then let's replace it with something similar that's going to give you the feeling and the vibe um but let's not spend that kind of money here i think like it really helps now knowing more about this side of things because licensing budgeting as an editor for me it's just to kind of have a plan b or be able to Go to you and 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 say, hey, you know what? I think this is, you know, let's let's maybe get some options ready, because I'm pretty sure it's probably not going to fly, or or you know, something's going to come up. It's kind of anticipating things. Yes, yes, it's so good that you do that. 
<laughs> so many people do not. So thank you for that. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. Again, it's just, and I guess this is the stuff like, and uh, another reason why I want to do this podcast is this episode is because this stuff, I, it's like, unless you're in the room. Yeah. No, I know. I agree. It's, um, you can learn, you can take a course, but you don't really know until you try it, you know, until you do it. Absolutely. Right? Uh, how about, no, no, that's, that's the thing. It's like these things, a lot of, you know, a big part, I think just, I'll say for editing, is just a lot of things is you learn in the, by doing and being in, the, in those rooms. And certainly I learned a lot simply just being an assistant, for example. Sometimes I'm only speaking with the assistant editor. Oh, that's right. Know? Yeah. That often happens. So that person has to be a very good communicator because, um, you know, you're a conduit. You're, you know, it's a, it's a game of telephone sometimes. So it's important. Now, do you think uh, an editor or someone, a filmmaker, let's say filmmaker, uh, has to have also just like say knowledge of, maybe, I don't know, I want to say like music theory or, 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 or know or be an expert in actual music, maybe composition, or is it more about just being able to say communicate emotion? I think so. Or tone? I don't think you need to know anything about music theory um, to be a director. And uh, as a music supervisor, I know nothing about music theory. I took, I went to Interlochen when I was a kid, which is a music camp in um, Michigan. And I studied theater and dance, but all my friends were in music. And I did take a music theory class for just thought, oh yeah, that sounds fun. It was so hard. It was like, it was like um, an advanced math class. I mean, but I do kind of wish I knew some music theory, actually. Me too, I gotta admit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it would be great. But no, I feel like for directors and for producers, the most important thing is to be able to talk about feeling and tone and emotion and, you know, how you want people to feel. And if you want to, if you want a song to kind of go on top of the emotion, like, to enhance the emotion or to play against it is also a very popular way of doing music supervision. The ironic song, the, you know, against the crank, like a really happy song when people are really sad or vice versa, you know, a really depressing song when everybody's sad, you know. Yeah, I love that, that, that like contrast. Especially, we did yeah. it a lot, obviously, in, in like Narcos Mexico, right? We played yeah. these scenes, right, yeah. where it's maybe very <laughs> violent and but then you hear this kind of like happy, kind of vintage. Gorgeous Bolero. <laughs> Bolero, exactly. Lou Gardenia. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that was, that was a big, that was a big that you know part lovely. of the, the show and, and um, the style of it, you know? I love that. I love Narcos. Well, we just worked on this uh, series, limited series for Netflix, Griselda. Um, and I mean, again, it was, had a great time working with you and Andy, Kelly, everyone there. Uh, it's family there from, I guess, yeah, obviously it's a Narcos Mexico family still working together. But just uh, kind of give us a, a summary or like a, a look into the, the music used in that series. Um, because it was, again, with uh, Andy Baez, who worked uh, on Narcos Mexico. But I know, and I'll, I'll speak you know, for my conversations, conversations with him, he wanted to try something different than say Narcos Mexico and, and maybe talk about those conversations and, and maybe what you uh, saw as that kind of like the soundtrack for uh, the series. Well, when I first read the script, 
I was imagining a world um, a little bit more Miami um, centric. And it takes place in Miami in the 80s. And I was thinking, oh man, it's just going to be all Latin, Cuban, and um, salsa, and maybe some like early hip hop, or you know, I was just thinking. But what I found was really cool. And I feel like it turned out to be more Anglo music than you would hear necessarily in Narcos, even though. In Narcos, we definitely had that too. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. It just, it was, I don't know how I would define it, Joaquin, but I felt like it just turned out so cool and eclectic in a, in a very different way from, from Narcos in that there's just a lot of American music of the period, which would be natural. There is plenty of Latin music and Cuban music. Um, and uh but then there's the sleazy disco and the you know the the all the disco and the 80s pop hits like i remember you know not to uh but i might as well just date myself but um you know i i went to college in the 80s and um you know i was kind of there you know i was in dallas but like um the, just that music of like you know talking in your sleep um that's romantics right and then like but it's like such a i don't know I, I find it to be sort of a cheesy song that i'm like i don't really care if i really hear it but it's so good it's so good <laughs> in that moment because that's what it was like you know back then you know you would kind of get into the alternative tracks but those those staples talking in your sleep for example just i don't know they just take you there and and it's it's sort of a poppy song for a disco like that right but then we get into the more sleazy you know druggy <laughs> disco songs too so and all different levels of prices so it's fun to really so yeah we you know we have like a whole episode of of that takes place i think you know where we used like i don't know i want to say 10 songs in in the same location and uh, so it's fun to really dig deep and to find those slow groovers that are you don't know as well, and then put them in the background and then feature the the more expensive ones. Well, no, I mean, like you said, even reading you know reading the script, you already start thinking about the soundscape, right? And again, I was saying with you, like I was thinking, oh, Latin, Cuban, this and that. Yeah, but yeah. that was the surprise, or the cool thing was that Andy was like, no. I want to do kind of more, you know, Anglo hits and, and, you know, we, we threw in some, some Latin stuff here and, and there. French you have to. music. <laughs> French music, yeah. You know, I love that it wasn't rigorous, you know. I feel like Narcos, I loved because it was rigorous. But I feel like, I mean, everything in Griselda is authentic and it's rigorous that way. But, but it's just um, pretty loose, you know, just really loose on, on the choices. Like, so what? We play Serge Gainsbourg, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it works great. Right. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that. Uh, Andy sometimes would say, "Am I overdoing it here? Am I going overboard?" I'm like, no, Andy, let's push it. Let's go. No, go for 
Andy. Liza, no, I appreciate you giving us some, giving us some insight here into the world of music supervision. Uh, now, I want to just just one last question. What what do you think? What is the state of music nowadays? What are you listening to? And also, I mean, like, what's happening in the music industry? Um, you know, I I I always say like, you know, I I I, I don't want to be the that that person that's like, oh man, you know, music is not, you know, it wasn't what it used to be, right? Yeah. (laughs) I just see that, you know what, times are changing. You know, it's a different time, different music, different things. But I mean, like, what do you see how, where we are, the state of music and I guess how it's evolving and where we're heading? God, it's such a huge topic and I am really fascinated with it. And I try to read about it and keep up with like, um, trends, just from a business um, perspective, just because to me, it's pretty interesting the way that the DSPs, the, you know, Spotify and stuff, how they behave, how they, um, you know, I read this article the other day about how people are making 30 second songs just to um, game the system or, you know, I don't know. Um, and then like, but like I said, uh, there, I've read a lot that there is a lot more, um, music is, it's harder to get it, to make a hit, um, a hit song. I think when we were younger, it was a lot easier, um, to create a hit record or something. I don't know about easy. That's probably not the right word, but, um, but now it's just like, there's just so much, opportunity so much variety um there's so many tribes i I mean when i was young you could like yeah you could identify as being a goth (laughs) right (laughs) right or you could be a stoner right or you could be um you know into pop music or um a cheerleader. I was. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I was in. I was a cheerleader. I was really into country music in high school. I'm really into it. Um, and these were the the places we identified ourselves. But I think that's. I, I think it's going away. I, I mean, I, I know there are plenty of people that still do that. But like, I feel like, God, there, this is such a huge. No, topic. I know. This is like a whole episode, right? I, mean, <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm yeah. so not an expert, so yeah. I, I really. I really don't know, but I do think that young people are into older music because I don't know why. I'm sure there's lots of reasons. Um, maybe because because it's popping up on their algorithm. You know, I don't right, know. Yeah. Or or because of syncs like the Kate Bush sync and um that was so huge in last year, you know, in Stranger Things. That just like got everybody's attention how huge it was on tiktok and everything right (laughs) um, you know it reached the charts again um so i don't know where i'm going with this conversation but it just i i'm pretty fascinated with with the I, i don't know i me personally i i dig 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 i'm always trying to find something that tweaks me that that surprises me because I do feel a little bit jaded, you know, um, having DJed and done this for so long. Like, come on, wow me. Come on. Liza, well, this has been a great conversation. Again, uh, thank you for just, you know, again, giving us some insight into this world of, of music supervision, letting us know more about you and your story. It's really cool. Thank you, Joaquin, so much for your time. And I guess a shout out to Mark Mondalo and everyone there at the Mad Doll 
music uh, he's house. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. They are all and um, he says hi. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm sure we'll get to work on another cool project soon. I can't wait until then. You're the best. Thank you, Joaquin. 